This uh, message today is uh, I want to talk about overcoming fear and insecurity in our relationships. And we've been talking about how important relationships are to us in our, in our everyday life. And that life really, when you boil it down, is about our relationships, right? And so when we're, when we're insecure, it, it sort of is the, the, the toxin that erodes all of our good relationships. And it, it has to do with our personal relationships. So maybe, you know, someone in your house, um, a close relative. Um, sometimes insecurity affects our, um, our collective problems. In other words, um, our tribe, if you will, our team, our nation, right? And if we feel insecure or our fear then it, it creates problems in those relationships. And insecurity or fear creates problem, problems in our relationship with God. So if I can today, I want to just talk about how fear and insecurity kind of erode all of these relationships in so many different dimensions. And I want to take you back um, to the, the original story. And in the, in the garden, this story is told. Now, um, just, just an aside here, as I share the story of Adam and Eve, I, I realize that some of you, you know, you went to college and you're like, hey, man, you know, enough with the fairy tales and all that. And um, I, I don't, let me just say this. Some of you are like, that's the word of God. I, I believe. Okay, here, just everybody calm down. Ready? Everybody look. Everybody look. It doesn't matter what you believe on this issue. If you believe that Adam and Eve lived on 2020, you know, Paradise Boulevard, and that's who they were. That's fine. That's that. Or if you see this more as a, a figure, as a story, the, the the outcome will work. And so here's how the story goes. Um, Adam and Eve are told not to eat from this particular tree. The tree, as it's known, is, is of the knowledge of good and evil. And, um, but of course, they can't resist. It's like telling your child not to touch the cookies that you put out in front of the, you know, in the living room when you went to the store. It's just, it's just not a fair thing, you know. You, you, you know, you may eat all the broccoli that you want, but do not touch the cookie while I'm gone, all right? And uh, the funny thing is, isn't it true also that as soon as you forbid something, you want it more? It's just true. Now I need to, now I need, okay. So anyway, as you know, they take and they eat it. And then in, in Genesis 3, 7, this is what it says. It says, then the eyes of both of them were opened and they realized they were naked. So they sewed fig leaves together and made what? Coverings. The, fir the first sign of insecurity, insecurity. Now modern day, right? Modern day uh, scholars and biblical analysts and contributors are saying, you know, a new way to understand this is that this, is a sh this shows how humans move from in their childhood innocence, right? To a place of fear and insecurity. Parents would know this, right? When you, when you raise a child, 
They cling to you, right? And they have, they have what they call separation anxiety, right? And they go through these phases or these stages. But think about a child. A child that is completely innocent. They just don't care. Anybody? Have you ever had the child that you were out at the pool in public, right? And they, they, you give them a little, the girl, you give her a little bathing suit. The next thing you know, it's off, right? And you're like, honey, honey, no, I'll put, the, right? Because they don't, what? They don't care. They don't care. They don't have that sense. They don't feel the need. And so the first thing that we have in the story is the sense of fear. They cover themselves. They're afraid. And insecurity, the first thing it does is it puts on a mask, a covering. Think about this. When you're insecure or you're afraid in a relationship, what do you do? You cover up. You put on a mask. I mean, all of us do this to some degree or another, right? You walk into a room. Anybody ever walk into a room of people that you don't know? You walk in and I don't know anybody and immediately you feel something. I don't know why as humans feel that, but we feel a little bit of, what's the word? Fear. Like, I don't know if I'm going to be accepted here. And so what we do is we put on our best mask, our best front, and we want to show as little of us as possible. And then the problem is, if you continue in a, you know, that's okay for a while, by the way. You don't need to just open up the minute you walk in the room. But if you insist on this mask, insist on this front, what happens? Now it starts to stress you out. Think about it. I have to make somebody think I am different than I am. And so I put on a mask, a little bit of a facade. And now every time I'm with somebody, I have to reapply the makeup, right? Redo the mask. I have to kind of get myself in that way. And always you're under stress because you can't just, what? Be yourself. Okay, some of you aren't participating yet, so I'm going to bring it down another level, right? <laughs> Companies coming to your house, right? Company's coming to your house. All of a sudden, you didn't know company was coming, but all of a sudden, company is coming. And all of a sudden, a mild, a mild panic takes over the household. Anybody, am I getting closer today, right? We're shoving things into the closets. We're using words we shouldn't use with our kids, right? And we're moving. And, and what we want to do is we want to put on a little mask, right? Just think, think, a little mask that we are a little tidier than we are. A smidgen. Am I getting closer? Now... If you know somebody really well, right, the less you clean, oh, I don't, don't, come on. The less you clean, your husband's coming home from work and you're just scrambling, oh, no, no. You're leaving things out. Let's pick it up, Ace. Let's go, right? In other words, the more you know somebody, the less you mask, the less you stress. So this story is also a story about masking. And then it says what, what they go on and they, they distance themselves. So in, in the 10th verse, it says, you know, God's walking through the garden and they are hiding. And God says to them, where are you? Where are you? And Adam replies, I heard you. And I was, what's the word? I was afraid. Let's say it together. One, two, three. 
afraid, and so I hid. So the insecurity makes us hide, makes us hide who we really are. It, 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 we, we don't want to be completely vulnerable, right? We don't want them to know exactly how dirty our house is. We don't want them to know exactly all of our faults. We want to just keep a little bit back. Now, this is important. Watch the progress of fear and insecurity. First, they put on a mask. They sow fig leaves. Then they hide. Do you see the trajectory? The trajectory is they're stepping away from intimacy. They're stepping away from relationship. Think about it. That's true in our world. If you put up the front that your house is squeaky clean, by the way, do yourself a favor. Don't make it too clean the first time they come over or the bar is really high for the next time. You know what I mean? The, think about it. The, it's the stress. Uh, that's me. I, I actually am Martha Stewart. Yes, and this wafting smell of cookies. And, and, and now, the, now the bar is what? Here. And in our relationships, if we... If we paint that kind of a mask, now I always have to be here. Always. I was at a pastor's gathering not too long ago, and there's all these pastors sitting at a table, and they all went around, and I, I, I guess I was last, so this guy went around, and this guy went around. And, and I mean, you would have thought every, everybody in that circle had the perfect life. One guy said, oh, this is me, and this is my wife of 28 years. We're happily married. My kid just went to Harvard, and he's all world. And, and my kid, other kids, you know, and, and, and no one had any problems, right? Everybody has amazing marriages and fantastic kids. The bar is kind of high, right? What, what's, the, what's the natural reaction we want to put there? So now the, the, the possibility of relationship is lessened. So I get in these gatherings, and then I, when it comes to me, I tell the truth. <laughs> no, here's the funny no, listen, listen, here's the funny thing. People always at night or whenever they're not supposed to, you know, remember like Nicodemus coming to Jesus at night? You know, if you know that Bible people kind of come to me at night and they go like, really? You're like, you're screwed up too? And like, I mean, yeah. They're like, oh, okay, come here. <laughs> It's true. All of a sudden, the this is important. The opportunity for relationship is there because they feel safe. Oh, I don't have to wear that mask. No. What it does is it, distant, it increases the distance. Now, we put on a mask, then we hide, and then here is, here is where it just goes into a spiral, fear and insecurity. We let our imaginations start to run. Anybody ever let your imagination get away? Your imagination starts to run. And if I can, I want to just share a story with you. It's, it's in 1 Samuel, and it's, it is uh, King Saul and his young understudy, David. And David kind of, if you know the story, 1 Samuel 17, he takes on the giant, and then he becomes, uh, you know, uh, he becomes a young, you know, rock star in his day, and he comes right next to the king, and he's his understudy, and um, things are going good, right? And, and Saul now, instead of just facing giants, he'll send him out with his armies, and Saul's kind of at the palace, and David's kind of out leading the armies. And then when they come back into town, 
people would come out in the streets and they'd made a song, you know, and they'd say, Saul is slain his thousands and David his tens of thousands. And Saul's like, what, what was that song again? <laughs> now listen, it says this made him angry and it displeased him greatly. This is important. They credited David with tens of thousands, but me with only thousands. Ready? What more? Another translation says, next, next, he's going to take the kingdom. Next, he's going to take the throne. Here's your imagination. His imagination kicked in, right? His imagination says, what's next? Now they're going to do, then this is going to happen. Anybody? Anybody? You don't have to say it. Your imagination starts to go, oh, yeah, now this is going to happen. Oh, now this is going to, ha- oh, this is going to happen. Anybody? Go to a very dark place. Saul lets his imagination get the best of him. And then the next verse says this, and he kept an eye on David. One translation says he kept a jealous eye, a close eye. Now he's looking for something. And have you ever been in a situation where you're looking for the wrong thing, you're always going to find it? If you're looking for a bad motive, if you're looking for someone to say the wrong thing, you're going to find it. This is very important. If you're always looking for someone, you're going to find it. And so Saul, he he starts to look and listen to what it goes on. It says he has this tormenting spirit. A tormenting spirit. In other words, it just starts to undo him from the inside. And then it says... He becomes afraid. He's afraid. Ready? Saul, the king, is afraid of David. For no reason whatsoever except his, what? Imagine, listen, listen. Why are we afraid of other people? We let our imaginations go too far. Oh, no, but I heard something on the news. I heard that. No, no, no. We just let our imagination go. The power of the imagination to separate us, our relationships. And he says he was afraid. Then verse 15 says he was more afraid. And then verse 29 says he was even, even more afraid. Why? Because his imagination. Adam and Eve, their eyes were opened. In other words, something happened. They went from that childhood innocence. By the way, have any of you ever played hide and seek with a little one? How fun is that? The only thing that's not fun is that it never ends. You know, a little kid never goes, well, that's enough. We've been doing this so long. They just go again, again, again. And then you make up things or you lie or I don't know, you find some way to get out. I got to go somewhere. Whatever you do, but you, you, I, I, so I'm playing, you know, a long time ago, I was playing hide and go seek with Harrison, you know, my little nephew, and, you know, little kids are so innocent, like, they'll get behind, like, a curtain, and as long as their face is covered, they think you can't see them, anybody, you know, like, their whole legs hanging out, right, their innocence, their eyes are not open yet. And so when the eyes are open now, 
Saul has this jealous eye. And then it goes to the depth, what I would call the depths, and that's where we try to control. Think about this. Saul is afraid. He doesn't need to be. He let his imagination get away with him. Actually, David was just serving him, just doing him favors, right? Working for him, making him even greater, his kingdom even greater. But he was jealous of him. And it just, it just kept descending until Saul thought, I'm going to control this situation. I'm going to control it. And by the way, think about this. What it comes down to in life is we either trust or we try to control. We trust or we what? Try to control. You can't control. How many have learned this? How many have tried this? Right. This can be very frustrating. I'm going to control this. I'm going to control this. We try, but we realize things we can't control. And so what it comes down to is when we have fear in our life, we have to trust or we have to try to control. So what Saul did is like, all right, I'm going to send David out. David had a thing for Saul's daughter, right? And so Saul says, I'm going to give you a chance to marry her, but you're going to go out into battle and fight for her. And his plan was what? He'd get killed, right? He says, I will give her so that she may, be a, she may be a snare. In other words, she is going to be the, the way I'm going to get him. And the Philistines are going to kill him. And his whole plan is, I'm going to control the situation. If you read the story, he does it once, and then he does it a second time. And when it doesn't work, this is really important, ready? He gets really, really angry. Now he's just chucking spears at this point in the story. Do you see the descent? And this is really important to note. When, when we are insecure and we let our imaginations run and then we start to try to control things, the next thing is always anger. Isn't it probably true that the angriest people are the people that are trying to control things and it's not working? I'm going to control this thing and it's not working. I can't control it. So the rollover thing to do is anger. And then other things that are expressions. Say, Chris, this is like pretty dark. How do we get out of this? Hey, this is good news. The key here is you have to switch operating systems. This is really, listen, really important. You started with the operating system of trust and innocence and openness. And then along the way, right, the eyes are opened. Um, we become afraid. We make fig leaves. We hide. We don't give our best self. We, we imagine things we shouldn't imagine. Now, here's the thing. You have to switch back to the original operating system. Switch back to the system I would call of love, of openness. How many, well, quick family quiz, Orchard Grove family quiz. If you're online, you can vote too. I won't be able to tell. Send me a message. All right. How many Mac users are here? Mac. I use a Mac. This is a computer, people. Stay with me. All right. How many PC users do we have here? Some of you are not voting, and I need you to vote. All right, here we go. Wow, heavy PC users on that side. And I'll do this side. How many PC users? Wow, how many Mac users? All right, how many have ever switched over from one to the other? All right, 
Can you see it a little clunky? The first clunky thing is the X is on this side, and the, on the other one, the X is on that side. How many of you am going to the wrong side? You have an operating system. It's, the, it's your default. It's the way that you operate. If you're driving, think of it this way. If you're driving in the United States, you, you have an operating system. You, don't even, you, you drive so much, if you've been driving for a while, you don't even think about it. You pull out, you, 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 you go to the right, you go to the right. Then if you go to another country where they drive on the left. Anybody ever done this before? You go to Malawi, it was a part of the British Empire, right? They drive on the left. And every instinct in you, when you pull out on the road, you want to pull into oncoming traffic, right? And, and if you're driving a standard, like I was in Austria one time driving a standard, and, and it's hard to get used to where the thing's supposed to be. Everything is backwards. Everything's opposite. Here's the thing. Too easily, we go into the operating system of what? Fear and insecurity. Oh, you see, the way she, you see the way she looked at me? She doesn't like me. <laughs> you see that? He, he avoided me. I know, I know he saw me. And what? The stories start coming. I, I, I'm, I'm pretty sure I saw him whisper. They were whispering about me. Isn't it? And we start to make these things up, and then they get bigger. Anybody? Got really big. How many of you had whole conversations in your head with somebody that you never even talked <laughs> Just... Uh, Right? This is huge. And it goes on and on and on. Now, this is important. If we switch operating systems, this is what Jesus taught. This is what he lived. This is what Jesus was all about. A new, you might say, I came to bring you a new operating system. I came to give you life. Repent, right? Throw the old operating system away. I won't favor Mac or PC now, but you know which one's better. Anyway, right? Just throw it away. Get with the times, right? Jesus brought a whole new operating system. It was based on love and trust. What was it based on? Love and trust. Not fear and insecurity, love and trust. That's why he said things like, love your enemies. Pray for them. He had a completely different way of operating. First John. Ready? There is no fear in love. Let's say it together. There is no fear in love. You're going to switch systems. A fear-based system with a love-based system. Perfect love, here, ready? Drives out fear. So what's the key when we're insecure in our relationships? What is the key to fixing fear and insecurity? It's love, because love drives it out. You remind yourself that you're loved. What Jesus came to do was to help everybody understand, first and foremost, that they are loved. Fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears is not made perfect in love. In other words, they're not growing to their full stature, perfect meaning. You're not fully developed in love. So what Christ came to do 
was to help and to fix our relationships, all of them, by getting us to let go of the fear and insecurity-based system to a love-based system. Think about this. What's the big, what is the big, like, death nail to insecurity in relationships? It's when we start to compare ourselves, right? Saul has slain his thousands, but David has slain his tens of thousands. What did he do? Started to compare himself. Huh? They didn't say, Saul runs a good palace and is a fabulous administrator. Who should be killing more people, the guy, the general, or the king? He was the general. He, that's what he did. He was out there in battle. That's what he did. But Saul let himself get in the comparison. Anybody? Have you ever compared yourself to the wrong person before? Huh? How many of you, like, Meg was up here playing this harp, and you're like, oh, I wish I could do that. Anybody? Like, I suck. Oh, man. No, you're just, that's just not your gift, right? But isn't it true? This is what we do. I wish I could do that. I wish I could do that. I wish I was this. I, no, this is so important. Listen, listen. God made you so specific, so perfect at what he made you for. In Psalms, it says this. I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. Everybody point to yourself, right? Your works are See, people have a hard time with this. This is important. People have a hard time thinking, God made me wonderful. You ever go to give somebody a compliment? Like, oh, no, no, no. Your works are wonderful. Your works are wonderful. Every day you get up in the morning, you look yourself in the mirror and say, God, your works are wonderful. I mean, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to work on it a little bit, but your works. Ready? Your works are what? God's works are wonderful. Don't get, don't get sucked in to what Saul got sucked into, comparing. It's an endless game that you'll never win. Instead of comparing celebrate. Look here. Celebrate who God made you. Every single day, celebrate it. Get in the morning, get in front of the mirror, get some coffee. God, your works are wonderful.